This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. And welcome along to episode 124 of the ABZ Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gary Scott. And this evening, joined by the one and only Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? I'm well, thank you. Teeny bit dehydrated still from the uh, celebrations of Mr. Graham Steele's wedding day. But other than that, I'm all good. Indeed, missing in action, of course, today is the one and only Graham Steele. It was his wedding yesterday, so we've let him have the night off. Um, it's fair to say he remains otherwise engaged for this week. But Gav, top day, beautifully set up by the man himself to ensure that it fell on an international weekend. Absolutely class organisation from Mr. Steele, I must say. Well, I mean, like, Graham didn't really have any say in the organising, did he? I don't think Hot so. Work Not really. from, from Mr. Steele. Indeed, absolutely. In a week that saw Scotland regain our position as international Fitbaz top guys, that saw Hearts finally sort out just who is actually in charge down Gorgie Way. And that saw Lee Johnson finally get back in the game as he replaces Scott Brown in charge at Fleetwood Town. Gavin's looking shocked here. Oh, I, I was not aware of that. Not aware of it. It's bro- it broke in the last hour. So there He you go. has not wasted any time there. No. Hibs to Fleetwood Town. Well, at least he's going up in the world. It's going to be a relatively quietish one, I guess, Gav, this week on the ABZFP. We'll bring you the latest news from maybe 24 in the week that's just passed. We'll have a look at our loanies and loan watch. We'll see how the young team got on this week. We'll look back on the Quines as they smashed Hamilton Ackies by four goals to nil in SWPL1. And then after the break, we'll preview the return of the cinch as the Dons travel to Gorgie for the first time this campaign to take on Hearts at Tynecastle. News from maybe 24 this week. Very little, to be fair, eh, Gav? Um, Nothing. Hee-haw. The, the main news, tickets on sale for the Europa Conference League group stage home ties. Um, tickets on sale for the opening fixture in Frankfurt against Eintracht. If that's your kind of thing, yeah. Uh, it is for two-thirds of us, obviously. Um, the Dons allocated an initial 2,900, I think it is for Frankfurt. It looks like we're going to be well on course with selling a pretty big percentage of those. And then the Dons reading the room beautifully to announce a link-up with Berrydale Funeral Home coming just off the back of a double defeat to Hibs and Hecken, which was a beautifully played thing from a timing perspective, it has to be said. And as imagined, the comments were a thing of gold. Um, well, I mean, it was very fitting with the the sombre mood of this podcast anyway, last <laughs> last weekend, reviewing Hecken and Hibernian. Yeah, um, you know, um, uh, yeah, hey. <laughs> classic, classic football club, social media prowess. Absolutely, indeed. Nothing else I don't think to talk about, is there, Gavin? I, I was scratching around desperately to think of something, couldn't find anything. I cannot think of seeing, hearing anything. I mean, there was a day this week, I think, where we didn't tweet at all. 
it, that might be newsworthy because that's probably <laughs> the first time in two and a bit years. But beyond that, nah, nothing going on. Nothing, nothing happening. Um, so tell you what, let's. It feels like the last couple of weeks have been a little bit downbeat here, shall we say? So let's look at some positive things for once going on at the club at the moment. So let's start off with a look back at the Quines um, and their game at the weekend. Clinton Lancaster making two changes from the side that won at Spartans last week with Jess Broderick and Laura Holden being replaced by Hannah Ennis and Eva Thompson. Home side well, well on top in this one in the sun at the Balmoral. Chances for Hannah Ennis, Eva Thompson, Francesca Ogilvie and Hannah Stewart all going begging before Bailey Hutchison finally got the breakthrough on 35 minutes. Ava Thompson and Hannah Stewart linking well before the ball was squared to Hutchison, who fired home from about eight yards out. And it was two just five minutes later, Ennis's cross finding Hannah Stewart, who netted her third of the campaign. And then the hosts made it three just before the break, Stewart turning provider for Ava Thompson, who struck her first of the season. In the second half, Nadine Hansen withdrawn for Laura Holden, and despite numerous chances for the home side, it did take until 10 minutes from time for the Dons to notch their fourth. Hutchison setting vice-captain Ogilvy away as she finished well beyond the Hamilton goalkeeper. 4 0 finished, back-to-back wins in SWPL1, back-to-back clean sheets as well for Faith Kirby in front of a pretty healthy crowd, just over 300 at the Balmoral. Uh, Gav, that sees the coins up to fifth now, 12 points from the opening six games. That needs to be put into some sort of context. That's only three shy of the entire total they got pre-split last season. A, a very, very good start to the campaign for uh, Clint Lancaster and for some of the new acquisitions as well at the club. Very, very promising signs. You know, early days, absolutely. But this is, you know, a sign of real progress. You think, think of the fact that we've taken two players like Jess Broderick and Laura Holden out of the team, who you'd think of being key players, and they've been replaced with quality as well. And Hannah Ennis and Ava Thompson... Um, great to see Bailey Hutchinson's really up and running this season, getting on the goal trail. As is Hannah Stewart, to be fair, that's her three goals as well now. Um, so it looks as though there's a little bit of shading of the load at the top end of the park as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it looks like there's like a really good balance of strength in the in the squad now. And I think you can see the players are, are buying into, into Clinton's methods. And yeah, that's a fantastic uh, return in terms of points. from. And you bear in mind that one of those defeats was, what was that, Rangers? Or... Yeah. One yeah. of the Glasgow teams away from home. Rangers, yeah. So, uh, yeah, fantastic return so far. Um, you know, last season was a disappointment for sure, but this season, it took a long time maybe to get Clinton in and then to to bring in some new players. He's done a remarkably good job so far, so long may that continue. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think we touched on it when we did the preview um, podcast before the start of the season when we spoke to Nadine Hansen. We'll hopefully bring you um, another special in the next few weeks, hopefully just to kind of focus in on the opening few games for the women's team but yeah it's a good start up like I say up to fifth um a double header next up on Wednesday night they place Hibs and then they're at home to Celtic next Sunday so that is two tough games um coming up but they'll be hoping just to continue to build on that and, and particularly I think in the home form um at the Balmoral as well Gav yeah absolutely those gonna be two tough games Hibs and Celtic you know Hibs are obviously working hard to to progress as well become a stronger outfit and of course you know the title is probably gonna be decided by the three big uh, Glasgow sides so it'll be a test uh, of how far we've come. But I don't think there's anything the players should be afraid of. As we just said, top marks all around so far to Clint Lancaster and the side. Uh, fingers crossed they can continue on that upward trajectory as we progress the season. And then keeping on a positive spin as well, onto the young team. A hugely impressive 3-0 win for them in Glasgow um, on Friday after they saw off Celtic. The Dons without Brendan Hamilton and Alfie Bavage because of international duty here. Timothy Akindeleni, 
I apologise, that's probably horrendous, but never mind, coming into the side for Brendan Hamilton. Don's taking the lead under seven minutes. Fraser Mackey brought down just outside the box by the Celtic goalkeeper. Alfie Stewart stepped up and floated the free kick home, aided somewhat by, let's call it, a flap at it from the Celtic goalkeeper. That's me being very, very polite. The Don's making it two on 18 minutes. Cammy Wilson netting this time after a great move, which saw Victor Inem getting to the byline and cutting back to Wilson, who finished well. Finley Marshall should have made it three a couple of minutes later before Mackie, NM and Boyd all had chances to really put a flourish on the first half performance that went begging. In the searing heat, the second 45 may be a little bit more subdued as the Dons looked to control the game, but the Dons did grab a third on the stroke of full-time. Marshall with a direct ball up the park, and NM gathering before the ball eventually broke to Boyd, who lashed home. And again, similar to the women's team there, Gav, the young team have started the season well. That's another really good win on the road. Celtic are always traditionally very strong at this age level. Next up for the young team is going to be the visit of Motherwell to Cormac Park on Tuesday afternoon. But Scott Anderson and Co. again will just be hoping that they can continue this uh, this this run of form as well, Gav. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just it feels like it's been the way of things since we've been doing the show, where the the under 18s just you know perform above their above their station week in week out, and you know hopefully we can continue to see the benefit of that. You know these guys putting these kind of performances gaining this kind of belief in their own abilities and then, you know, translating that into them making their way into the first team. You know, it looks like we've got a really, really healthy academy right now. And you just hope that one day in the near future, we'll see some of these guys in the first team colors. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely, like I say, all eyes then on the match against Motherwell on Tuesday. And then moving quickly into Lone Watch, here in Aguenya, Park Thistle. No place in the squad for him as Thistle were beaten 3-2 by Queen of the South in the Challenge Cup. Right, now, th- this show's already been too positive, so I'm just going to bring up a point that I've been thinking about for a little bit now. Oh, come on then, Gav. Okay, so Kieran Nguyenia is a left-back, right? Yes. He's at an age where he very much needs to be getting minutes. Correct. On a week-to-week basis. Yes. Is it worthwhile loaning him to a team whose star player, one of their star players, is their left-back? Possibly not. I, 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 I thought it was a curious move at the time. This feels like the second season in a row where Kieran's kind of just spinning his wheels on the sidelines for his respective loan team. Um, and yeah, Harry Millen is clearly one of Park Thistle's first names on the team sheet. So uh, when it came to, when it comes to loan management, I'm not sure this is a A plus I'd give it. Well, this was one of these when it happened. I presumed that um, Harry Millen was about to be sold by Partick Thistle, and that would have therefore made some sense. But clearly, but that ha- hasn't happened. Yes, um, Harry Millen was was not sold. Yes. So it does seem a bit odd. I'm not entirely sure. One thing I need to check on this is I don't know if Kieran Nguyen was actually eligible to play in this game. He may have featured possibly for us in one of the earlier rounds in the Challenge Cup and that might be why he didn't feature and it might be why some of the other boys didn't feature as well on this. I'm not sure. I would need to go back and check and I didn't have time to do it today because hangover. Yeah. Searing. Dehydration. Searing. Indeed. Uh, But irrespective, it's not as though he's been playing week in, week out and this is just an, an odd no uh, occasion of missing out on, on game time so um yeah i think loan management's a very crucial thing for well any player but especially one of kieran Iguanya's age and i don't think this has been the smartest move no possibly not you might you might be right on that um yeah anyway not not in the squad thistle beating three two by queen of the south in the challenge cup effie ambrose with the winner for queen of the south in that one still got it uh evan towler at montrose no place in the squad for him again as montrose beat cove 2-0 in the challenge cup Aaron Reid, he came off the bench as Peter Head beat Annan by two goals still in the Challenge Cup. I'll tell you what, what a week for that, uh, for Peter Head. Had to travel to Stranraer last week and then back to fucking Annan this week. <laughs> Locking up the miles right there. 
Liam Harvey, Blair McKenzie at Elgin City. Liam Harvey started this one, grabbed the opening goal, but Elgin eventually went down by two goals to one at Morton in the Challenge Cup. No place in the squad for Blair McKenzie. Again, I suspect this might be because he played in an earlier, an earlier round. Dylan Lobin and Adam Emsley at Fort Martin United. Dylan Lobin starting, Adam Emsley on the bench. Fort Martin smashing Devon Vale by Devon Vale by five goals to nil in the Highland League. And then Finlay Murray at Turry United. Another start, another 90 minutes for him. But a disappointing afternoon for the Turraloons as they were beaten by four goals to two by Huntley in the Highland League. Jaden Richardson, Stockport County, came off the bench with 10, 11 minutes to go. A Stockport won by two goals to one at AFC Wimbledon in League Two. Clearly, having somebody film a professional video to celebrate your birthday was well, well worth it. That's all I'm going to say. What irritated you about that quite so much? Everything irritated me about it. Just everything about it irritated me. Irrationally so. I suspect it's because I'm... He's just enjoying his life. He's not hurting you. What's... I just think commissioning somebody to shoot a professional video to rock up at your birthday celebrations when you're, what, 22? I don't know. Just no. No, just different upsetting. generations. Yep, that's what's exactly happening. What it's it's I a suspect, generational clash. I suspect it's because I'm pushing forty, and I'm just like, why would you do that? But I don't know. Anyway, he's back in the squad. So what you're saying long. is that you want me to cancel your wife, who's commissioned that videographer for your birthday upcoming? Yes, please. Thank you. Hopefully, she can get a refund. <laughs> um, and then Anthony Stewart, an unused sub, as the MK Dons drew. 1-1 with Notts County in League 2. Former Don Daniel Harvey with the goal for MK Dons in that one. So there we go. What do you here, Gav? Or do you want to do a bit of Listener's Corner? Oh, is there a Listener's Corner? I've, uh, there's a few Listener's Corner. Do you want to do it here? Oh, let's fire it off. Yeah. Let's fire it up. Okay, let's have a quick look at Listener's Corner. We'll, we'll try and do make it quick. Scott Shields at Scott underscore Shields 88 asks, is Clint Lancaster the second coming of Fergie? <laughs> genuinely i mean honestly i mean it, it was such a it was such a wrench when emma hunter parted ways with abney because of how much she had contributed meant to to the club to the ladies especially the you know the transformation from where the team was to where it was to where it, from where it was to you know what it became uh when she left and I think last season, I think a lot of people were very frustrated at the length of time that it was left. The team was just left sort of stagnant, kind of going nowhere. I know Gavin Levy and Co came in and did their did their very best and kept the team in the division. I got some better results towards the end of the season, but honestly, with Clint's Lancaster's work so far it, it cannot be overstated. That's a remarkable ter- return of points uh, from those opening six games. So, yeah, maybe. May Maybe, maybe he is. Um, right. Um, Adam Richardson at under, Adam underscore Richardson wants us to talk about Frankfurt away. We're going to do a, a, there'll be chat about Frankfurt next week. So don't worry about that, Adam. Just keep posted. Subscribe, follow, whatever you do, if, if you haven't done so already. Um, Willie Beatty at BTEAFC72 or Dadia, will he see any minutes during the season? Um, all I can say about our daddy is chances so far is that someone somewhere thinks that Shaden Morris is a better right wing back than him. And we're going to come on to Shaden Morris in a minute. Um, there's so many different stories doing rounds about our daddy that I feel that it's inappropriate to give some of them airtime in case we'll see how the season bears out. I think there was obviously some chat of Zenka's family, like his wife and kids only just arrived back in or arrived in Aberdeen um, last week, possibly. So there could be a little bit here about 
player struggling to settle. Um, let's just wait and see. Let's be polite about it and see where we get to on that one, I think. I would say the absolute absence of game time, the fact that he's been dropped out of the matchday squad altogether in recent weeks, it's in great contrast to Barry Robson's wording when he first signed. So, yes. um and like I say, the fact that the fact that we're playing Shaden Morris at right wing back, uh, Nicky Devlin, Slobodan Rubicic at right side centre, which is a position we were told he could also play. Uh, yeah, it's not looking it's not looking massively positive for Or. The one thing I would say is that remember when we spoke to the sports rabbi? <laughs> of right. course I do. Like yesterday. Anyone that wants to go back and listen to the mini pod we did on Ordadia will remember or if you haven't listened to it go back and listen to it or if you did listen to it you might remember he'd spoken about how the fact that Dadia couldn't get a breakthrough into the Israeli national team because the view I think of the Israeli team manager appeared to be that he didn't have a good enough engine for playing right wing back and Israel were playing a 3-5-2 so the aforementioned sports rabbi was quite surprised when I was like well they seem to be bigging up as a player who's got a really good engine and can get up and down the line and will be a really really good fit in a 3-5-2 and it's fair to say that possibly one or two of the rumours that we've heard would tie in with the sports rabbi's version of things rather than what was in the press release, shall we say, that we put out about his athleticism. But Trying um, to uh, accuse Aberdeen of recruitment department of maybe not adequately... Reviewing this one. Reviewing, um, uh, vetting a player's qualities to play in a system that we are locked into playing. I think sometimes if you just rely on the agent of another player already within your team who tells you he's got a player for you, that might not be the best. Uh, that's, that that can't have happened. That's not how we do things anymore. We've I got, don't a, think, philosophy. Well, We've got anyway. a philosophy. <laughs> well, well, let's let's wait and see. Um, <laughs> let's move quickly almost. Let's talk about another player who's um, on loan at Aberdeen Football Club and has yet to see any meaningful minutes. Graham Meldrum is asking, what's the story with Reese Williams? Is he fit? And if so, will he ever get a game? Um, based on the recent efforts of Slob and Arubas, I hope so. Uh, is he I fit? I, I, I have don't, no I idea. don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, rumour and innuendo is everywhere with Reese Williams. How much you can believe, you know, that's up to you. Um, he, you know, he he did play for the the young team, or he played for the, the team against Cup. Peterhead. Um, he's been. He travelled with the squad to to Sweden. I think he's been. He's been in a matchday squad. He was in the European squads. Yeah, I can't. I don't think he was in any. I don't think he's been in any league squads. Um, it's just it's another one of those, quite simply, where you know if he's been had a major setback in preseason and not been able to get the chance to build up his match fitness, then you're just going to be stuck in that situation. When is the time to throw him into a, a game so he can actually get it? Because so far, Robson seems quite hesitant to to do that. Um, and we've got we don't have any games coming up anytime soon. Where you can look at it and just say, well, you know, it's this isn't the end of the world if we if we don't pick up three points, or we don't pick up a win or a draw. So it's the same story with Reese Williams as it is for again Ordadia, a number of players that haven't featured yet. Indeed, indeed, absolutely. Um, let's wait and see what happens with Reese Williams. I think again, there's so much chat out there; it's hard to know what to to kind of really believe from that perspective. Um, Discow at Music, I can't pronounce that. Especially not today, I can barely read my phone. Um, how many points will we pick up in September? What place in the league will we be in by the end of the month? So to remind you, our September fixtures in the league are away at Hearts, 
uh, this coming Saturday. We then are at home to Ross County on the 24th, and then we finish up at Ibrox on the 30th of September. So three games there. How many points do you think we pick up out of those three, Gavin? And where does that see us finish at the end of the month? Nine. <clears throat> nine. Perfect. And we finish the month nine points better off. Lovely stuff. Wherever um, that places in, in the league table. I'm going to suggest we pick up four points out of that. No, five points out of that. Um, and I don't know where we'll be at that point, but who knows? We'll come on to why I think that later on. We'll talk about parts. Um, Kevin Smith at Kevin Smith. 473-00596 is asking for a new manager poll. I think it might be a little bit earlier for that. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my, my pitchfork and torch is not quite lit yet. <laughs> Marty Cifuentes is still available. That's all I'm going to say. Um, anywho. Uh, Scott, Brown's, Scott Brown's available. Scott Brown, well, I have Fleetwood and Hibbs just done a manager swap without telling anybody. Is that what's uh, about to happen here? Uh, I would not put it past a Scottish football club to make a populist appointment. I feel a bit sorry for actually speaking about the Fleetwood Town thing. I hadn't realised it until today. I feel a bit sorry for Barry Nicholson in all of this because he's been let go by Fleetwood as well, and he had a fairly cushy number as like head of academy or whatever at Fleetwood Town, and then got brought into Scott Brown's first team coaching staff, and now obviously leaves there. <laughs> um, guilty had probably, by aso- guilty by association, I think is the term. Yeah, having probably had a job for life previously. Um, <laughs> Yeah, tough, tough ask there, to be fair. Craig Suter um, is asking just to talk about the women's team, make it special, give us a break from the misery for a week. Well, we touched on it earlier on, um, and like we said earlier, I think we spoke about it before the season began. We're going to try and bring you slightly more regular um, specials on the women's team as the season progresses. But Gav, again, just, you know, great start. It's great that there's at least one part of the club at the moment progressing in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Just repeat. Just go back and listen to everything I said earlier. <laughs> exactly. Ollie Galloway at Ollie W. Galloway. What lessons do you think will be learned from pre-season as we just simply haven't looked at it yet? Um, Maybe don't do triple sessions every day. <laughs> maybe don't run your players into the ground before the season starts. Uh, it's it's really... It's, it's, it's hard, hard to tell. It's galling just in the fact that in a very short space of time that Last season, Robson and Agnew and co made the team look a lot fitter, you know, almost instantaneously. And then yeah. you think that with a preseason under their belt, we'll be really up to speed and be one of the fittest teams in the league. It just hasn't really happened yet, um, which is surprising. Yeah. Um, the worst thing about it is we see it in flashes. Yeah. And then it kind of just doesn't quite happen. I don't know if part of the problem as well is that we haven't really had a game yet where we can demonstrate it properly, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because the, the the way that the fixtures have kind of rolled around have been a bit odd. Um, but we looked incredibly leggy, I thought, against Hibs in particular. Um, yeah, that was the heat though. And the pitch. <laughs> and the fact we were playing European football. No, no excuses though. No, and we played European football on the Thursday as well. And we had yeah. all the travelling. Yeah. Um, it's a shame for us Hibs didn't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, it will be interesting. I, I, I had been worried at the start of the season we hadn't had enough games, like decent games in the legs. They would played obviously the two high league teams and no disrespect to those two sides. Um, but, you know, when you're getting ready to try and play European football and because we were missing then competitive football going into those games, I just was always concerned we were going to be a little bit undercooked. And no matter, I know we all like to like have a laugh at the, the, the League Cup group stages. There's probably some merit in, and even in playing preliminary rounds of European football, there's a, probably some benefit to playing some competitive minutes before the season really gets up and running. 
obviously we turned up against Livingston and that was kind of day one for us. And you've got Livy at Blackpool who've had, what, four competitive games under their uh, in their belt. You turn up to play Hecken at that point and we're way undercooked when it comes to playing against Hecken because they're midway through their season. And that's a circumstance. We could have easily drawn a team who were also on a similar schedule to us. But you just kind of, th- I don't know, I just felt we looked really undercooked when we came in. Yeah, there's probably a point to that. I mean, every season under McInnes, we played, you know, four, six European qualifiers before our season kicked off. It, generally speaking, never really harmed us in terms of uh, looking leggy. Going we into generally the early started our seasons games. quite well, to be fair. We had one game against United, the 3-0 defeat after playing... Oh, uh, yeah, Um, I wanted to say the Macedonian team we played. I could be wrong on that one. I can't remember. Um, I I recall the one, the game that you're talking about. Uh, But yeah, it didn't really ever hurt us in terms of our preparation. Yeah, I I think I would tend to agree. You know, the two Highland League teams and then the two English teams, uh, Preston, Charlton Athletic, that was our kind of, our prep. Uh, Maybe it would have been worthwhile getting some games while we were in Portugal. Um, I guess some of the opposition there. Um, So yeah, uh, a lesson there. And hopefully just maybe um, in this two weeks that we've had, off prior to hearts there'll be maybe some lessons about recovery and the conditioning because yeah the players just don't quite seem at the level i'd expect yeah okay fair enough um that's that one there's been a few questions about the scottish masters football from last night which (laughs) has completely passed me by because obviously we were at graham's wedding and i think only and the selfish prick didn't have a screen up i know what a disgrace um so from what i can gather it was like the old school masters football that used to get on sky but it only involved um, Hibs, Hearts, Celtic and Rangers. Presumably that was old co-Rangers that they had to get involved with. <laughs> they're surely not players old enough to play for them from Newco. Anyway. Uh, well, it'll be quite something. I mean, what? Kevin Kyle, Sandaza, <laughs> Ian, Ian Black. Black. Um, <laughs> Sandaza. Richard, 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 Richard Foster. Richard Ricky Foster. Um, um, Alan McGregor's definitely old enough right now. True. I did see that Morris... Well, I, the clip I've seen is Morris Ross was playing for them. And he does his hammy after trying to hack some boy who plays for Hibs. And that was quite well, funny. Well, two things. Morris Ross doing his hammy. That sounds about right. And <laughs> he does have a lot of spare time on his hands these days. He does appear to. He seems like an absolute walloper on social media as well. Who'd have thunk it? It looks as though it just ended up like being a lot of guys just kind of scrapping. It kind of looks like it may be quite funny, to be honest. Um, um, all I saw was on like Facebook or Twitter a post about how there was a scandalous penalty given. And I'm like, mate, it's it's... It's the Masters football in Sky Sports. In Glasgow. No one gives a shit. <laughs> Refereed by... Bobby Madden. Hugh Dallas. <laughs> like, of, of course there'll be a controversial penalty somewhere there for somebody. But then somebody's also asked, who'd be in your Aberdeen Masters squad? Now this kind of feels like... A, this feels like you're going back down like a kind of very classic five-a-side. I don't know if it was five-a-side or six-a-side. Let's just say it was five-a-side. But somebody's also pointed out, you have to, three of the players have to be ones you would need to Google. You'd have to be ones you need to Google. Yeah, because I think this is always the way these things go. You can't actually usually get like top boys, ah, yeah, yeah. Like FTR to top guys to come in and wheel out a seven-star match. So you, just, you just have to go through the dregs. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, and you have to find somebody like Morris Ross who's desperate enough to do it. What's the kind of minimum age for this? Like 40-odd? Uh, I don't know. Let's say that, yeah. 40-odd. Because, um, you know, they can't be too vintage either. No, and they probably can't be too good. No. Um... I think I'd get Ryan S in the sticks. Okay, good start, solid. Um, he must be of that kind of age now, the old, the cat. Um, Kevin Rukovic. Okay. I was going to go Phil Maguire. Uh, no. No, okay. Don't want don't want the uh, association there. All right. 
Um, someone like, I mean, maybe a Stuart Duff, midfield general. Yeah, I reckon Duffman would be up for it. Duffman. Uh, Derek Young would definitely, Derek Young would definitely play in this. There's some, there's always like one who's like disproportionately fitter than everyone else. Yeah. And I imagine Chris Clark takes like good care of himself. So get Chris Clark in there. Okay. Yeah. And then up front, um, Leon Mike. Oh, I'd have put Thor on Chris Janssen. He would have been my Google pick. <laughs> and you'd have to be like, who's that boy? Jamie Winter. Jamie Winter. <laughs> Andy Bagshaw. Jamie Winter, as it turns out, is also... Because I was going through... I was trying to think about, oh, guys, we can maybe get on to do interviews with. But then people won't think about this, right, when we go through our selection criteria for this. It's not just a case of throwing shit against the wall and seeing who might like work or who just who would be up for doing it. Do you actually put some thought into the process? And I went and I was like, oh, Jamie Winter, that could be... You know, he was brought in by Caldwood. There might be some stories in there. He was at Leeds, wasn't he? At Leeds, yep. And then I clicked on his, one of his social media profiles and realized he's just an absolute rabid Sevconian, like ludicrously. And I was like, no, it's not happening. Just, just, just. Uh, when you say happen. rabid Sevconian on like a scale of one to Craig's story, where are we talking about? Maybe not quite as far as Craig's story, but a couple of steps down, maybe. Craig's story could be an option. <laughs> so, Craig. Like, oh, you mean for Masters football? That, that guy's like in desperate need of you mean, checks, you mean so. for Masters football? Oh, absolutely. As just, yeah. As he's just leathering a ball into his own goal so Rangers <laughs> win. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Eugene Daddy might be up for it. I reckon Big Eugene would be up for it. Oh, well, Eugene's still got it. Eugene's like, yeah. I've seen Eugene at the, uh, the, North, the, the North Sound Cash for Kids game. Still got Richie Byrne. Richie Byrne's going in. Richie Byrne would be in. Richie um, Byrne's my, my ball player. Gary Dempsey wouldn't be allowed to travel on account of his. <laughs> Well, yeah. If you, if you need if you need proof of uh, vaccination, then you can rule him out. Yeah, definitely. Um, is that enough? Is that that's probably enough people, isn't it? We've probably defamed enough people now in the last. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for like against a wild card, um, Andreas Belichko. Andreas Belichko couldn't run in straight lines. Apparently, how is he going to play on astroturf <laughs> indoors? Just indoors, yeah. like ah, oh. just board Andres... to board, just just board to board, almost like um, <laughs> what's the game? Fucking hell, what do you call it again? Foosball, that's what it is. Jeez, oh. Yeah. What, you Luchka just, got, just like, occupy like a foosball type thing where he just goes oh, from side okay. to side. Oh, he just shuffles along the line. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, not. Okay. Sh- I think I think from what I could hear, his knees weren't capable of shuffling. So what's he, he doing? Have to, so he would have to sort of run from board to board. Or do you just impale him with a stick and you just have him just being shuffled along the pitch manually by... I think that's what Archie Knox wanted to do with him, to be fair. <laughs> Archie Knox would be the guy just standing there. Just, anyway, right, let's move on. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. They need a coach, surely, right? Archie Knox, surely. Archie Knox, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Paul Hegarty. <laughs> Archie Knox with Paul Hegarty on the, as the assistant. <laughs> Desperately trying to get the Aberdeen job just that one time. Anyway, right, let's move on. Um, Skipper at Northern Lights is asking <laughs> our view on our definitive best 11 in formation now that the window's closed and we're into the season. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I honestly don't know. I genuinely um, don't know. I would need to properly look down at our squad to work that one out. I'm the same because I just and have no not. idea about so many of the players. I I don't know. Sorry, that's a real cop-out answer, but maybe look at it for next week. I'm intrigued to see if the new uh, defender, whose name now completely escapes me, Stefan feature. Stefan Gartenman. He will feature. Um, I see he's got the number six shirt. Squad numbers are very, very important, obviously. Seems so, like a well-spoken man. So hopefully we'll see if he's got something to bring to the table. Um, yeah, hopefully Bye Robson's been doing this job as well the last two weeks. 
<laughs> um, not just been the black dog in Inverurie for two weeks solid. Um, where are we now? John at ICTIS4000. Shaden Morrison and his inability to trap bat, which contributed to at least two Celtics goals and one or two others, either play him as an attacking winger, which will allow us to see if he's any good or don't play him at all. I think we've probably covered this so many times already. I'll just repeat what I said in my wonderfully concise and eloquent email that I sent to you ahead of last week's show, where I just can't fathom how we're playing a Fleetwood Town reserve winger at right wing back in such crucial games already. Um, I don't know if it's just that he's not got the engine. He's, he's fast. He's definitely fast, but does he have the stamina to keep it going? Does he have the awareness or does he have the work ethic? But it's true that he has been caught uh, lagging, certainly, in, in a number of uh, goals we've conceded this year. And it's it's just not good enough. And it's not necessarily his fault, but it's just not good enough. Yep, agreed. I've spoken about this to death. I don't think it's his fault. I feel a little bit sorry for him that he's been put in the position he's been put in. Um, we saw flashes in the 15 minutes he came on against Hibs that there might be something there from an attacking perspective if we could get him into a team um, that could do that. But then he um, got injured. So fuck knows. Who knows what will happen? A um, couple more just to go. Uh, Chalmers at Alan Chalmers is asking what are the best pubs in Frankfurt? We'll let you know next week when we come on to that one. Scott Keith at Scotty Dog 1903 asks what the F is going on with Duke it's like he's not trying as if he's on strike because he doesn't want to be here and then a shruggy shoulder emoji I introduce a hypothesis that I don't necessarily believe but um, it's just worthwhile considering go on then Gav did we see Duke's Sam Cosgrove season last year Ooh, well <laughs> Graham and I spoke about this at the Hibs game briefly and then tried to dissuade ourselves of that opinion it's always a possibility with these things I'm not sure I agree um, sorry Scotty that he's not trying and I don't agree that it looks like he's on strike because he doesn't want to be here because I think <clears throat> I'm not a um, a body language expert but when you see enough of the stuff of him being posted by the club he looks like he's have he looks like he's still you know very much part of the squad and is enjoying you know training and everything alongside that I don't think it's a case of not wanting to be here. I just think he's cutting a bit of a frustrated figure on the pitch, I think, at the moment, because as we've already spoken about, I don't think we're set up or the way we're playing at the moment suits is playing to his strengths. I'm not sure if he's been asked to be a bit more economic with his use of, you know, try to chase and close players down a bit more because we're trying to use him more on the counter-attack because that's where we're setting up. Um, I think as well, he badly needs a goal. I don't think he's scored a goal from open play since... I'm struggling to even think when it might be now. It feels like it's a little while back. Um, Kilmarnock home comes to mind. Could be. I'm going to go and have a look while you're talking, Gav, because you'll presume yeah. have a view on this. Um, I think I, I think as well, we need to be in mind, he came back from pre-season training two or three weeks later than everybody else. That's correct, um, yep. So... If the rest of the squad don't look like they're right up to it, is it any surprise that he's not? There's also the weight of the shirt, isn't there, at that point? You know, he came into Aberdeen last season with no real expectation. Now he's become the kind of cult hero and we're all looking to him to do something. Um, and I think he's very much a confidence player. And he, and he was, a, you know, it was a slow burn last season and then he just went on a massive burst of form. And I wouldn't be surprised if we scored one. He then goes on a run of, um, a, a run of goals as well. But I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure, Gav. I think there's a combination of factors going on here. Um, I did. I, I get the point that he did come back from preseason or came back for preseason and later than everyone else, but that's mainly on account of the fact that he was on international duty 
with with Cape Verde. So the fact that he's come back and he doesn't look um, where he needs to be from a fitness perspective, I think is a little surprising. Um, you would think that he'd probably just maintaining his fitness over that time instead of being um, just not quite at the races so far. Um, I think maybe last year we got an inordinate amount of success from Duke picking up the ball, you know, 20 yards away from his own goal and beating four or five men and then, you know, creating a chance, getting a set piece or creating a chance for another teammate. I think maybe there's an element of he's maybe trying a little bit too hard because I think there's times when he picks up the ball and he he does very much seem to be just getting his head down. I'm going to run and and beat people. And, you know, opposition players are going to have the fitness to to keep up with him and and get, and get the ball back from, especially if they can uh, and challenge him early. So I think there's times where he needs to be a bit more um, economical with the ball. I think there's times where you do see there's there's passes to be made that he just doesn't notice because it feels almost like he feels this expectation upon himself to to do everything by himself. And then, yeah, I think there's that point there. There's just a confidence factor. I mean, the finish against Hecken is a finish of a player who's very, very low on confidence. Um, last season, Duke takes that in, maybe draws the keeper, lobs him as he did for his very first goal for Aberdeen. It was... Um, it was a terrible effort against Hecken. And it, yeah, just hasn't got going. I still maintain what I said about two weeks ago, where I think that, like you just said there, when he does get that one goal, I think that will then set him off on a run. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's not been happening. I wouldn't agree as well that he's it's a issue of him not trying or him throwing the toys out because he didn't get the move in the summer to maybe somewhere that he thought he might get to. Um, I think we're just. Thanks. I don't think there's anything concrete ever came in, so it's not as though like we. I don't think we ever really turned anything down. You know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe as a player, though, you're gonna hear bits and pieces here, and you think that maybe there's gonna be something that happens, and it doesn't. And it's not necessarily being frustrated with Aberdeen the club. Maybe it's just being frustrated at not getting the big move. Um, I just think that. Um, I think we just need to be a little bit patient. I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to him dropping out of the 11 uh, because I think there's maybe merit in giving another striker a go. Uh, Boyomiovsky started the season very, very well. Um, we've brought in competition for places. There's no point in doing that if you're not actually going to even play them. So maybe give him a little bit of time out and maybe use him as an impact sub again. That's kind of how he got his start at Aberdeen. Maybe it's worthwhile trying that again. Yeah. Just to really just, you know, bring us all back down again. <clears throat> I'm just quickly scanning through the football uh, fixtures that are ongoing at the moment. So I was looking as well to see if he played this afternoon for Cape Verde. Uh, he didn't he didn't come off the bench as they got beat 3-2 by Togo in Africa Cup of Nations qualifying. But then I just happened to notice that it, currently it's um, 1-0 to Albania against Poland at the moment. Um, Ilba Ramadani currently putting forward a man-of-the-match display in the centre of the park, it would appear, for Albania. Albania are going to be top of Group E for European qualifying if it uh, keeps that way. I think they beat the Czech Republic on Friday as well. So just as I sob into my beer once again on that one, I think that brings us to an end on Listener's Corner just now because there's one final question which came in from Wendy um, at Chateau. Wendy asking what needs to change in terms of personnel tactics and mindset to get a result at Tyne Castle. But we're going to go and talk about Tyne Castle in a minute or two, join us after the break where we preview the match with Hearts 
on Saturday. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And Siberia Bar and Hotel are pleased to announce their latest venture, Doe & Co. Brand new, freshly baked, handmade donuts coming to you from Belmont Street, Aberdeen. The grand opening on Friday the 1st of September 2023. Make sure to check them out. So welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to preview the return of the cinch on Saturday, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Inverness Dawn. The Nessie Dons. We see you, we acknowledge you, and your bread is absolutely much appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in those beers or coffees, head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast link is in the description. Shout out a beer or a coffee. It is much appreciated. Or buy Graham a celebratory drink as a result of his nuptials. So there you go. Why not? Anyway, <clears throat> Gav, after a couple yes. of weeks off, the Dons return to Sinch Premiership action on Saturday afternoon as we travel to Gorgie for the first time this campaign to take on Hearts at Tynecastle. Now, as we all know, our record at Tynecastle in recent years is how can we describe it honking we've not won there uh, in the league since May 2017 goals from Adam Rooney and Anthony Connor in a 2-1 win in what was the final game in front of the old main stand at Tynecastle currently one win in our last 10 visits to Tynecastle in the league three draws and six defeats make up the balance we've only won five times at Tynecastle on league duty in the last 20 years and it's one of our bogey grounds of all time 140 played in the league 31 wins for Aberdeen to 41 draws and 68 defeats we have a negative 83 goal difference uh, across those 140 games as well uh, two defeats for Aberdeen last campaign in the league a 5-0 defeat in mid-January kicking off one bad week for James Michael Goodwin and a 2-1 defeat at Gavin can laugh about it now he's smiling there Poor James. Poor James. Yeah. If only those three fixtures had gone a little bit differently. Indeed. And then a 2-1 defeat at the back end of the season as uh, the Dons looked to be running out of steam on the home stretch as injuries and suspensions pushed the squad to breaking point. Fair to say that neither team are coming into this one in any shape or form of a great level. Hearts having lost their last two in the league, a 1-0 defeat at home to Motherwell last time out. Hearts currently sitting in eighth place in the Premiership. Played for 1-1, drawn one, lost two, goals for two, goals against two. And Gav, after their exit from the Conference League to future Aberdeen opponents, P-A-O-K, Hearts have finally confirmed what we all knew all along in the form of Stephen Naismith being repositioned as first-team coach with Frankie McAvoy returning to assistant. Now, I, this brings me back to the infamous interview on Sky Sports at the beginning of the season where, I mean, they're clearly saying in the statement that nothing's really changed. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that Frankie McAvoy is like still, they'll have like a, they'll have a debate, they'll have a discussion, then he'll pick the team? I don't know, Gav. I think this would appear to be all a front so that UEFA didn't come down on them like a ton of bricks. And once again, I mean, that, the question that everyone's got on their lips, where's Gogsy in all this? Not sure. Don't know where Gogsy's disappeared to. 
Who knows? Maybe he's just taking a breather from it all. Could you blame him? Changed, changed days. Oh well. He's standing in the background waiting now for the inevitable when he could be promoted to interim first team manager. <laughs> I'll be Paul Gallagher. <laughs> Indeed. Um some of that's seen maybe slightly fewer than expected incomings at Hearts. Michael McGovern came in from Norwich sitting a freebie to back up Xander Clark with Craig Gordon still injured. Callum Neuenhoff, the latest acquisition from the A-League for Hearts. Frankie Kent, uh, centre-half from Peterborough United. Forward Kyusoki Tagawa moving from FC Tokyo. Alex Lowry joining on loan from Sevco. Kenneth Vargas on loan from Club Sport. Herediano and Odell Ofaya, a right-back joining on loan from Brighton and Hove Albion. Outbound, eight players departing. The biggest or most familiar name in there is probably in the form of Josh Janelli, who then joined Swansea City upon the expiry of his contract in the league. Uh, Lawrence Shanklin and Yutaro Oda share the honours for top scores one apiece. Shanklin, though, has five goals in all competitions from nine played. In the league, Hearts grossly, grossly underperforming their expected goals. They've only scored two from an expected goals of 4.5. Uh, that XG is the fifth lowest in the league, only averaging four shots on target per game with a shot conversion rate of just 2.8%, it perhaps explains some of their issues uh, alongside the fact they've only created four big chances across their four league games so far. Hearts' initial league run as well, I think it, I think it needs to be put into context a little bit because I thought there'd be a bit more pressure on Stephen A. Smith than what we've seen. On the face of it, they had a reasonably kind opening run of fixtures in the league, away to St. Johnson on, on opening day, home to Kilmarnock, away to Dundee and home to Muddle is definitely, it's fair to say, in stark contrast to some others. Um, interestingly, because Gav, you'll, you'll be well aware of this, one of the big criticisms of Robbie Nielsen's later days at Hearts was on the style of play, too much passing without creating much in the way of chances. And that kind of seems to be what we're seeing again this season so far. Now, it's only four games in, um, but they have an average possession of 66.3%. That's the second highest in the league behind Celtic. And a passes per sequence and sequence time metric of 3.20 and 8.39 seconds, respectively, which pushes them just in behind the old firm on these two. So this is relatively slow build-up play. Um, but unlike teams who do have better budgets and ergo you would expect better players, they don't seem to have the players to necessarily break down well-organized sides who are going to defend with purpose. We've seen Kamarnik and Muddle go to Tynecastle now and keep things tight. Hearts have yet to score a goal in the league at home. They haven't scored in the league now since the opening day of the season. Uh, Dundee did a bit of a number on them, the, them as well, defensively at Dens. And you can see it as well in their zones of control from their four league games. That also bears us out a bit further. You can see they're dominating games territorially, but again, not creating... Very much so far, <clears throat> Naismith favouring uh, 4-2-3-1, sometimes flitting into 4-3-3 with Shankwind as the number nine. He's been trying to get Liam Boyce in to play as the number 10. I mean, for me, a back four, which played out last time of Atkinson, Kent, Rowles and Cochrane, looks like it can certainly be got at. It doesn't strike me as being one of those kind of hearts backlines you necessarily associate hearts with. They might pop Ophaya back in, I think, at right back for our meeting, but... Again, it's hard to read too much into the, the numbers because we're only four league games into this season. Um, but Gab, it's a huge game. It's a huge game for both teams, I think, actually. But it's a massive one for us, I think, because we really need to get our league campaign. I'm going to say up and running, but we need to get some sort of positive result um, or some sort of performance and a result that gives people a little bit more hope at the moment. And we can't afford to have too many eyes on the game against Eintracht, which follows on the Thursday afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
this is essential just to get the mood back into a more positive place because I think Hecken and Hibbs has really knocked the stuffing out of the club and the support. Um, I think that was a, something I could feel um, online especially and even you know watching the Hibbs game on uh, on pay-per-view. Um, you could tell that the, the, the atmosphere in the stadium wasn't where you'd expect it to be uh, given the turnaround from last year and the, the the really positive vibes that were amongst the club in the summer. Um, this is a this is a really hard game to pick because, like you say, neither team has started the season especially well at all. But if I think about Tynecastle, you know, word association, three points for Aberdeen does not come to mind <laughs> straight away. Um, in all the time of literally no one watching Aberdeen, Tynecastle, I can't think of any point really in our modern history where we've, you know, had a run of results at Tynecastle where it's win, draw, win, draw. It's always, you know, here and there. And I'd like to say five league wins in 20 years, that that says all you need to know about it. Um, I think I tend to agree that they're, they're a team that we can definitely get after. And I'm not surprised that you're saying they're struggling to create chances because I don't see much in the way of creativity in their team, um, especially now that janelli has gone. And they've not really replaced him. Uh, Baden Mackay's obviously not regained any of the form that he showed in his early um, Hearts career. You know, begrudgingly, hate to admit, but Shankland's a good striker, but he's not going to create goals by himself. He needs service. If they're getting the likes of Liam Boyce into, you know, that kind of creative role, again, Boyce is a good striker, but I don't think he's going to be, it's a little bit like putting Ramirez in the number 10 role. It's just, it's not going to give you any uh, any joy, any dividends from a creative sense. Um, I think when I when we played them, I think at Tynecastle in the last game of the season, I remember thinking it was a very workmanlike team. And so yeah, I think I think it'll be a battle. I, I do worry that the way we've played so far, and even though what you're saying there about their possession and the way they play, it's not necessarily a, a traditional heart of Midlothian side that we've come to know. I do feel we could maybe just play into their hands with the way that we've played all season, mm-hmm. especially just, you know, it's been pretty, pretty one dimensional at times, hasn't it? Where it's very much long ball from the back, uh, bypass the midfield completely and hope that Miofsky and Duke can make something out of nothing. Um, I think it's going to be um, a very tense, very close game. And I think it'll be pivotal for both teams, really, Hearts and ourselves. Yeah, because the interesting part is I think Hearts, especially with the recruitment they've done at the top end of the pitch, certainly Kagawa uh, and Oda in particular seem like they're very, very mobile. I've not really seen enough of Vargas so far. I watched a little bit of their game against um, Pei-OK um, at home. They certainly seem like they're players who are going to want to try and close down your defensive players pretty quickly when they're on the ball. And at the moment, as we've already seen, if Rubicic plays, which will be interesting to see if that happens... Um, that's not something we can afford is to have players kind of dilly-dallying too much on the on the ball at the back. It's going to be an interesting game if you think it could be potentially a back three of maybe Gartenman, McDonald, Jensen. That's another combination for the first time we'd be putting together. Um, it's going to be, you know, Tynecastle, as we know, is... is uh, <clears throat> it'll, it'll, I don't know if it'll be... Well, they'll try and say it's sold out because obviously it's attendance yeah. FC... But uh, it's, a, it's a Saturday three o'clock kickoff, so there's no excuse why there won't be a big crowd there. Obviously, Aberdeen have sold out our away allocation as per usual. 
it's usually a, a very intense atmosphere at Tynecastle. I expect that will be the case because it feels that like there is a bit more of a rivalry being generated between Aberdeen and Hearts in recent seasons as well. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting introduction, I think, to Scottish football for some of these guys as well from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the new players come in and not look like they have necessarily attributes to deal well with pressure. And Tynecastle is that stadium. It's, it's, um, it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's a great stadium to go and watch football in. Um, but if the crowd gets on top of them, I mean, Rubicic has looked very shaky early doors in almost every game I've seen him play. If the Hearts fans get on the back of him, I, I worry what could happen there. Um, it's a game for the likes of, you know, Shinny and Devlin to step up, I think. But then, you know, you need to get them involved in the game. And so far, yeah. I feel like we haven't done that. Um and you know it's it's okay. I'm sure there'll be a bit of a midfield battle. There's always going to be. There's, There's always, always going to be. be, and they they have got a very combative midfield as well. Yes. So it's then about winning that, and then getting our players like Leighton Clarkson involved in the game. Um, there's no point in having him on the pitch if the ball is going to be sailing over his head, or we can't get the supply to him. Um, do you, do you I, think we see a change in shape? Do you think we see a change in formation from Robson going at this one? I mean, he's been we've we've spoken about it to death on here. He's been so welded to the three at the back um, up until now. Does he try if, and do something different? If I was Barry Robson, and I've been working this past two weeks, what I would be doing is what I imagine he did when he came into the job in January. I'd be just looking at this entire playing staff that I have deciding whether that's going into football manager or going to FIFA and working out the rankings, I would just say, what's my best 11? And how, how do I get my best 11 players on the pitch? Is it with 3-5-2? So far, I would say no. So I, I'm hopeful that we'll see a change. I don't necessarily think that will happen. What would you change it to? I wouldn't. You know what? Four at the back to start with. Who would be your four? Um, my four would be... Nikita. The only reason I'm asking is because Richard Jensen, I noticed, played for Finland uh, against uh, somebody. It wasn't Denmark today, whoever they played on Thursday night. Um, and he played left back for Finland in a, in a back four. And, so, and I know it's a position we know he can play. Yep. Do you decide to go a bit more solid, which is, I think that's what that would bring you, or do you play James McGarry? Sorry, I know you, you were about to come on the back four, but I thought it was a critical. Yeah, I, I would go with Nicky Devlin uh, right back. I'd probably go with Angus and Richard in the centre, and I'd have James McGarry on the left side okay okay so you would so, put Gartenman in um I, I think without having seen him I would I wouldn't be uh hesitant to throw him into a game against uh let's be honest uh, a good striker in Lawrence Shankland especially who's you know become more than the poetry wasn't Aberdeen has become a very all-round target man kind of striker um like that could be a bit of a risk that again having not seen him in training not knowing too much about him I would probably be hesitant of getting involved in. I think McDonald could take on that kind of physical battle. And you're going to have the balance of the right foot and the left foot as well with Richard Jensen. Okay. Um, so you're going back four, then what have you got ahead of that then? You go... Well, I guess there, I mean, whether it's 4-2-3-1 or almost more like a 4-3-3, um, I would probably stick with, you know, Shinny, um, Clarkson, obviously. And then that third midfield place is a bit of an awkward one because I'm not necessarily sure that it's a game for Jamie McGrath. Dante, when he came on against Hibbs, was bordering on hopeless. I guess he'd probably play Jay McGrath, but that's just because he's probably the best of not necessarily the greatest of bunches right now. Yeah. 
And then, you know, on the flanks, who have we got? Duke. <laughs> Duke, Duke, maybe Duke on the left side. Vinny, Vinny, Benjamin? No, let's, let's, go, let's get back to reality here. Um, don't we don't have anyone else. That's the thing, though, now. Like, it, having I mean, gone from like Wingers AFC last year to now we're suddenly like, yeah, we've got any natural width. We do struggle. Side. I mean, you have Baron, Hayes. Hayes be the worst shout. Play a bit further up and play Duke off the right. Yeah. Get Boy and Melfsky up front. It's going to be interesting to see what he goes with it because there's part of me also, like, I, I look at the team a lot of time and I go, like, there's something about like a 4 1 3 2 type shape suits to an extent the personnel we have available to us a lot of the time and that way you can also play Duke and Miofsky as a two rather than play Duke off one of the flanks although in saying that we saw a lot of joy from well say a lot of joy the most joy we got with Duke against Hibs was when he actually moved wide but I'm not sure Tencast was quite the place to go and play that way I feel we kind of really need to as you said earlier we need to win the midfield battle we need to be ready to roll our sleeves up and really get at them. Um, uh, what What do you think would be a good result on, on Saturday? It's, it's, it's a place that we don't typically do well at. And it's, 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 as defeatist as it sounds, I almost come into the game on Saturday going, if we went to Tynecastle, kept, kept a clean sheet and got a point, I'd be pretty happy with that. I think you have to take this all in the consideration of where we've come from and we were hopeless against Hibs. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that Hearts lost at home to Motherwell in their last game, but I think that'll be kind of an anomaly in their season. Hearts and Fairs did come off of having travelled to Greece and they got mullered by Peoke in Thessaloniki and they chased a lot of ball around in a lot of heat. So they at least had that level of excuse available to them, I think, for a, a, a poor performance against Motherwell. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, you don't want a six. You want to say you want to win every game. But I think, I don't think a draw is a bad result here. I don't think a draw would be a bad, I would, I, I, listen, I'd love us to win the game on Saturday and really get ourselves motoring. But I, if you offer me a nil-nil draw right now, we went, we went and kept a clean sheet because we have looked a bit iffy at the back. You know, we've not looked particularly solid in there at the moment. A clean sheet would be a big bonus for everybody involved. I feel that's um, an understatement. Uh, that really is. Um, and it would give you something to build on because as well, you're going to have to go to, I know we didn't want to talk about Frankfurt too much, but we can put the touch on it. You're going to have to go to Frankfurt on the Thursday night and have to kind of play probably relatively similarly in the sense of you're going to be desperately trying to keep a clean sheet there. And if you can somehow sneak a point out of it, you'd be absolutely delighted. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I think, I just think that, you know, because there's an incentive there as well just to really get our season back on track with a good performance and get a win and make a statement of intent that, you know, yeah, we're not going to be this. We've not come from gone from being the joke of Scottish football to being third place to being back being the joke of Scottish football again. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you've got to be realistic and we're coming, I, I imagine, I don't know, I imagine the confidence is fairly low in the team off the back of the start of the season so far. I can't I believe got, it's... I feel we've got a very like um, positive addressing them right now. I think there's probably a lot of good characters in terms of picking people up. But on a day like that, um, like again, it's cliche as fuck, but in a stadium like Tyne Castle, where the pressure could build very, very quickly, um, I think that, and like you say, our defending has been horrendous so far this season. Genuinely horrendous. I think almost every goal we've conceded has come from some form of very, very noticeable error in the way we've uh, defended the situation. So uh, yeah, um, I think we can achieve our goals this season by picking up draws here and there at places like Tyne Castle but ultimately and I know it's a bit of a running joke now with this if you went and picked up a point at Tyne Castle on Saturday you'd be a point up on your combined total you picked up there last season 
like dandies. You know, so it it genuinely wouldn't be a terrible result. Um, and it would be good to see like our international players. I think I've had a bit of a mixed bag when they've been away. Um, Richard Jensen, Finland won one and lost one tonight against Denmark. Uh, Boyamiovsky's North Macedonia had a fantastic one-one draw against Italy uh, last night. I can't remember who they play in their final fixture before the international break finishes. Um, Jamie McGrath's been an unused sub for Ireland in, in there too, so he's not really had much action. A decent chunk of the Hearts team played for Australia against um, Mexico in Houston, I think, on Saturday. I don't know if Australia have got another game as well um, lined up before the weekend as well. So there's been a bit of travelling involved for the Australian boys. Um, no, they don't have another game until next week, so they should be okay for that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And like I say, it's, it's, it feels very defeatist to say I would take a nil-nil draw right now, but pragmatic head on I tell you what I'll take two nil-nil draws at Tynecastle and Frankfurt and happily have a couple of pints in Frankfurt City Centre on Thursday afternoon toast it but Gav on that note let's wrap up things here but do you want to venture a prediction for Saturday oh sure why not yeah what's it going to be three nil Aberdeen exactly there we go that's what I like to hear <laughs> despite me saying it's going to be nil-nil and that'd be great I'm going to say Aberdeen will win it Two one. We won't keep a clean sheet, but we'll win it by two goals to one. Let's see what happens. Um, Gav, will that do us just now? I think so. Good. That will wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you might do on your podcast player of choice. Join us next time out for episode 125 of the show as we look back on our trip to Gorgie in the SPFL Premiership and we'll preview our first. Europa Conference League group stage fixture of the season as Dons travel to Frankfurt to take on Europa League winners in 2022 Eintracht Frankfurt and we've got a special guest joining us to talk all about it next week we'll look forward to seeing you then stand free yeah This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.